Hi, and welcome to The Unveiling. I'm Tim, one of the hosts, and along with Ajay and Mark, we are three guys discussing the one true gospel. We hope you're encouraged by this episode. Let's dive right in. Hello, and welcome to The Unveiling. We are all here today looking forward to another spirited conversation. This is going to be episode 66, and we are titling it Fruit of Forgiveness. And we've had a lot of backstage discussions on these on this topic. Uh, we didn't make this a part two to last week's, because last week's was based really around forgiveness of sin. And while everything we talk about today is a result of that forgiveness of sin, it's kind of a slightly different topic. So didn't want to tie these two too closely together, but they do go hand in hand. So guys, we had, like I said, a lot of conversation this week on this topic, and I think that we came up with a couple of things we wanted to talk about. Let's start, let's just start with one and see where we go from there. Um, Ajay, you brought up a point this week in which you referred to forgiveness being the key to loving God. Do you want me to start with the the reading of that parable before you get started, or would you like to intro some of this? No, go ahead, Tim. Why don't you read the parable, then, you know, we can talk about it. All right, Mark, sit back, relax, take a break, have some popcorn. This is going to take a minute. So the reading is going to be from Luke, the seventh chapter, starting at the 36th verse. And as usual, I am reading from the NIV. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who was touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which one of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt for forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. So I'm going to guess, Ajay, that he that he is forgiven much, loves much, is kind of your point, your first point. Yeah, 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 Tim. You know, uh, we here in the church, right, you know, we keep on hearing messages and we tell ourselves, I got to love God, I got to love God. And... Uh, Really, nobody tells us, you know, how to love God. Most of the time, loving God is like, okay, I'm going to go serve in the church. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. It's all about works, right? And that is actually rooted in, okay, that is actually rooted in self-righteousness. 
because we are thinking, oh, God is there to get stuff for me, and we are thinking that only I can do things for God, and I'm going to show my love by doing things, and, you know, God is going to appreciate that. You know, that is the idea of loving God. And, you know, we see this uh, everywhere, right? You know, people think, oh, they are good. They are good enough to do things for God, and they love God that way. But uh, the real love for God does not come until we realize that uh, we are sinners and how much our sins are forgiven. Here we see that, you know, whoever little is forgiven loves little. It doesn't mean that, you know, God forgave Pharisee less than the woman. But the thing is, the Pharisee did not realize how much he is forgiven. But the woman realized. You know, if you look at the parable, right, it's like, uh, for me, it's amazing. It says, you know, the woman is a sinful woman, sinful lifestyle. But somehow she still had the audacity and the courage to go to Jesus, especially, you know, in the midst of all the Pharisees, understanding all the insult and humiliation she will get. But somehow she trusted in Jesus to um, go to him. And even now, I think in church and many places, they keep people, so-called sinners, so-called fallen people, from coming to the church, you know, from coming to Christ. But somehow she had the courage to come to Jesus. And that in itself, like somehow she realized, you know, I can go to Jesus as I am. And then everyone was mocking her. But then, you know, Jesus tells this powerful story that, you know, because you realize that your sins are forgiven, you love me much. Uh, I don't want to go on and on. So, <laughs> Mark. Yeah. Or, yeah. I'll kind of pick up from your thought there, Ajay. So here we have, can you just imagine this scene if you were there watching this? Jesus sitting at the table of a Pharisee. I'm sure he was wearing all his holy robes and tassels and phylacteries. And here's Jesus sitting there. Here's this sinful woman behind him. Listen to what she's doing here. She First of all, she's behind him at his feet, just crying her eyes out, weeping. And she's weeping so much that her tears are actually falling on his feet. Then she's got to bend over and get down on the ground and dry them with her hair. And as she's doing it, she's kissing them. And then she breaks open an expensive jar of perfume and pours them on her feet. This woman was moved by something. She was overwhelmed by something. There was a transformation that had taken place here. This was a sinful woman, I'm sure hard, hardened by life, out doing whatever she wanted to. Um, something happened to her that changed her to this most beautiful picture of worship just about in the entire Bible. And Jesus tells us what that was in 47. He says, Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. The reason she was doing all those things, she had been so overwhelmed by the forgiveness that Jesus had given her. It absolutely just transformed her on the spot into this worshiping, you know, just the love that she that just had just moved her so much that she had this beautiful expression of all those things that they tell us she was doing. And as always, this reminds me of 2 Corinthians 3, uh, 18, where Paul summarizes the Christian life by saying, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image from glory to glory, which is from the Lord who is the Spirit. 
So she came into an understanding of the kind of forgiveness that Jesus had extended to her, and it completely transformed her into this just beautiful, what's the word, just unembarrassed, oh, what's, you know, expression of love. She didn't care where she was, that the Pharisees were there judging. She was so moved and transformed by the love of God and Jesus for her that it just changed everything. And to me, that's the heart that's what we all need. You know, I think that's why Paul said, as we contemplate the Lord's glory, his spirit changes us, changes us as we're overwhelmed by the depth of his love. And that's one of the reasons I think, Ajay, you had voiced this in the last episode, that you felt led for us to do this podcast on forgiveness. It's because as we contemplate God's forgiveness for us, it just changes us. Yep. It makes us more like him. And in that, and and we're to talk about the fruit then, just like the fruit of that happening to her was worship. Yeah, it was weeping and kissing his feet and loving God. In fact, you would, that was what you said, Tim. That it's forgiven us that that enables us to love God. Which this is just a perfect picture of it here. In fact, that's kind of another point. But before we jump to it, Ajay, is there anything you want to finish up with on this particular point? Yes, Tim, you know, uh, I just wanted to say, you know, why forgiveness is so important to love God. You know, we always think we can love God, but if you really dig a little deeper, you can never love somebody whom you are afraid of, period. You can say anything on the surface, but deep down, if you are scared of somebody, you can never love them. And uh, if you know that your sins are not forgiven, right, if you still think your sins are not forgiven, then you know that you know what is uh, upon you is punishment, right? As long as you know that your sins are not forgiven, you are expecting punishment from God. And if you are expecting punishment from God, how can you love him, right? You can only fear God, you cannot love God. So that's what uh, 1 John chapter 4 says. There is 1 John chapter 4 verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment or punishment. For he who fears has not been made perfect in love. So, And then it says we love him because he first loved us. So unless we are made perfect in his love for us, we cannot love God. And we cannot be made perfect in his love for us if we think God is going to punish us. And unless we know that our sins are forgiven, we will not believe that God is not going to punish us. So that's why it's so important. And then unless we believe that we are sinners, we don't realize the need for forgiveness. So that's why, you know, self-righteous people cannot really love God. If you are having trouble loving God, I think deep down somewhere, self-righteousness is lurking in you. When you understand that, you know, you are a complete, total, absolute sinner, and you need a complete, total, and absolute forgiveness, and that forgiveness is offered by the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. And until you realize you are really, really forgiven, you cannot even begin to love God. We've been taught our whole lives to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, to, you know, clean ourselves up, dust ourselves off, make ourselves right. This is how, you know, we show the world, according to some people, this is how the, we show the world we're Christians, is we, you know, we so good life and do this, do that. So it's very hard to overcome that whole, it can't be this easy kind of thing. It's, it's like, we feel like we need, because we have that self-righteousness, we must, we were bad, so we must atone. 
we can't atone. We have only one thing to do, which is accept. And it's very hard to overcome that, especially when people were first being exposed to the whole idea that righteousness is a gift uh, that comes through forgiveness. Tim, you just painted a picture, really did the biography of this Pharisee, Simon, right here. And when you look at this, at this, uh, at this account here, it's just a perfect picture of the fruit of the law and religion versus the fruit of grace, of forgiveness, of the love of God, the gospel, which is the good news. And it's like the fruit of law and religion, Simon is showing to Jesus and to this woman. He's judging this woman. Look at this sinful woman. And then he's ju judging G Jesus. If this guy was really from God, if he was really a prophet, he would know what kind of woman this is. That's the fruit of religion and the law. That's what it's always going to be. But the fruit of grace and forgiveness we see beautifully pictured right then and there. Transformation, love just flowing out, worship flowing out of her to God. Just a perfect uh, comparison there of, of the law. Oh, well, the old covenant and the new covenant, really. You know, what's another fruit of this forgiveness is, and I, you know, we've had discussions back and forth about this, uh, and that is be, once we're forgiven and righteous, the Holy Spirit can dwell in us. It, the Holy Spirit can't dwell in us if we're sinful. So we could never have the Holy Spirit on our own. Yep. You know, we need that complete forgiveness for the Holy Spirit to dwell in us. You've, you've heard people say before, if you've committed one sin, you might as well have broken them all. Well, you know, in a way, while that's completely wrong, it's also kind of right. If you are trying to make yourself righteous by acts of the law and you don't follow the law perfectly and you break just one rule, then you are no longer righteous and you can't, you can't have the Holy Spirit. So who wants to start this topic? Um, let me let me add. I think this is fairly related to what you just said, Tim. I just want to uh, add the two verses that came after what you just read. I'm going to start at 48, which you just read. So after this account, Jesus said to her, "Your sins are forgiven." The other guests began to say among themselves, "Who is this who even forgives sins?" Jesus said to the woman, "Your faith has saved you. Go in peace." Amen. So he didn't just forgive her. She can only have peace because she has been completely forgiven. Unless we understand that our sins have been removed as far as the east is from the west, that God remembers them no more, we can't have peace. And that's one of the reasons I feel like grace and forgiveness are very similar words and that grace is undeserved, unearned, unmerited favor. That's what forgiveness is. She didn't earn his forgiveness. He gave it to her undeservedly. And I think, find it very interesting that many of the apostles, especially, especially Paul, always began his letters to the different churches, to believers, by saying, grace and peace to you. You can't have peace unless you know you're forgiven to the very core, that your sins are never going to come back against you. Uh, there's a scripture that says, uh, he who puts their trust in him will never be put to shame. You know, you're not just forgiven here, and then when you stand before God on Judgment Day, he's going to show you all these sins? <laughs> no way. They're gone. He doesn't remember those sins, so why would we ever even remember them or bring them up? Unless we'll never have peace until we do. 
Amen. In fact, the Bible says, you know, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God. So without justification and forgiveness of sins, we can never have peace. Amen. The fact that we can have the Spirit now that we've been forgiven and are cleansed means we, we can produce the fruits of the Spirit. Yeah, so uh, the second point, uh, uh, Tim and Mark, is, you know, uh, in order to bear the fruit of the Spirit, right, in order to bring out the fruit of the Christian life, again, the forgiveness of sins, you know, plays understanding and realizing and owning our forgiveness. It plays a big role in it. You know, the whole Christian life is about, the other day, uh, we went to church, and, uh, of course, we went to church, and uh, the pastor was telling, you know, our Christian life is simply a reflex. You know, if you go to the doctor, you know, when he's checking your ligaments, he takes a hammer and hits your knee, it automatically it goes back, right? We don't do anything. That's how our Christian life is. I really thought uh, that was powerful because all our Christian life is a reflex. We don't do anything. It's a reflex to what God did to us. So similarly, I think when we realize our forgiveness, you know, these are the reflexes. And I want to quickly read in Second uh, Peter chapter uh, 1, 2 to 8. I'm going to read really quick. Uh, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of our God and of our Lord Jesus, as his divine power has given to us all things pertaining to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But also, for this very reason, giving diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abode, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. So I want to kind of focus on uh, verse 9. For he who lacks all these qualities is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from all his old sins. So sometimes we think that, you know, forgiveness of sins only for the beginning, right? You know, when we are saved, we know our sins are forgiven and that's it. But clearly it says, you know, we got to remember that our sins are forgiven. Every day, you know, we those who forget that their sins are forgiven, then all the opposite of these qualities manifest. But when we realize and remember every day that our sins are forgiven, we will start manifesting all these qualities, the one that I just read, right? You know, virtue to knowledge, self-control, perseverance, perseverance, godliness, and brotherly kindness and love. So it is very important that you don't forget that we are forgiven in order to bear the fruit of the Spirit. You know, Ajay, I love that um, teaching vehicle of the reflex. And there's another term that uses that word that's called a reflex action. So when your knee jumps, that's a reflex action to something, a uh, force, something stimulating that knee to have a reflex action. And to me, that's like a beautiful picture of the Christian life because it's us having a reflex action to who God is and to what He's done for us in Christ, and that's the—that's not work. Yeah, that's a response. Yeah, we're not out there doing things and working 
for things. We're only responding to what Christ did for us, the work he did, the perfect finished work on the cross. And there's another word that comes from reflex, and that's the same base word of reflection. Our lives are a reflection exactly. of who God yeah. is and what he's done for us. Amen. Amen. Good points, you guys. Good points. Um, let's let's move on to one more of our statements on the fruit of forgiveness. And uh, what I have here is forgiveness is key to forgiving others. Well, that seems like that seems like a really logical point. You know, if I've never been shown mercy and forgiveness and grace, I don't know how to. Mo- I, it's never been modeled for me. I don't know how to display it to others. And I have been modeled the most the most perfect forgiveness and grace in the universe by my heavenly father who forgave everything I did wrong. And I know what kind of person I am and I was in the flesh and I could never have repaid all of that. So um, knowing that I am forgiven, that makes me less demanding on others that they have to I just give my forgiveness more often than not. Now I'm still human. I still mess up. I, I still don't always do it properly, but it, it really comes out of me more uh, when I just rest and focus on, on God and Jesus. And all. then I'm more at peace as a result. Almost like a reflex? Almost like a reflex. <laughs> Good point, Mark. I, where have I heard that before? <laughs> <laughs> reflex action. <laughs> a, w- a wise man once said that, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, what, do you, what say you to what I said? Well, yeah, that's such a good point. And um, here, here's the thing. When I heard you tell that story, you know, not story, but share that about your life and how God's uh, forgiveness to you has affected that reflex of forgiving others. There's there's a danger as we talk. Anytime we do this podcast, there's always a danger that you, that you the listener, are going to hear, boy, I better start working hard to be more forgiving like Tim is or like, you know, that's the last thing. That's not a reflex action. If, if there's only one thing you ever take from any of our podcasts, we've this, I think, is our 66th one. Um, if you take only one thing, it's turn to Jesus. Amen. Set your eyes on him. Contemplate his glory. Contemplate his forgiveness. Contemplate his love. And all these things are just going to flow out of you and grow on you like fruit on a tree. So... That, I just wanted to add that because, you know, that's always our first inclination when we hear a pastor or anybody talking about something like this, that you're going to try harder. Why well, I really need to do that. No, you can't do that, but the Spirit can do it in you as you're transformed by Jesus. So, uh, and, and, you know, I, I was reminded as, as I was preparing for uh, this podcast of a song that came out a number of years ago. Uh, it's by Don Henley from the Eagles off of one of his solo albums. And he's really well known in the Eagles' work for writing very introspective lyrics. And I just thought this was the perfect, I wanted to read these lyrics because I think it really states the human condition, the, the condition of our world right now, each of our individual conditions. And I think we can really relate to these words. So This song is called The Heart of the Matter. I'm sure most of you had heard it, but I think it's probably uh, worth reading some of the words again. I'm going to start then. These times are so uncertain. There's a yearning undefined. People filled with rage. We all need a little tenderness. 
How can love survive in such a graceless age? The trust and self-assurance that lead to happiness, they're the very things we kill. Pride and competition cannot fill these empty arms. The work I put between us, it doesn't keep me warm. But I'm learning to live without you now, but I miss you. And the more I know, the less I understand. All the things I thought I'd figured out, I have to learn again. I've been trying to get down to the heart of the matter, but everything changes and my friends seem to scatter. But I think it's about forgiveness. Forgiveness. Even if you don't love me anymore. There are people in your life who've come and gone. They let you down. You know they've hurt your pride. You better put it all behind you because life goes on. You keep carrying that anger. It'll eat you up inside. I've been trying to get down to the heart of the matter because the flesh will get weak and the ashes will scatter. So I'm thinking about forgiveness, 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 even if you don't love me anymore. And I love that line there because it's not dependent on the other person. It's, and, and you know, Jesus forgave her, even if she would not have done all the things she did. And even if, you know, we don't know the rest of her story. I'm sure she was massively changed. You could see the impact. But she went, she didn't live the rest of her life sin free, did she? <laughs> he had no conditions on her forgiveness, on extending that forgiveness to her. And I like the way that Henley captured that here, that he's, he senses in his inner being that it's all about forgiveness, even if they don't love me. And I just love that. I just think it's a beautiful picture of the condition of mankind and what we all kind of struggle with. Turns out I'm a real Don Henley fan, and it goes far as far back as the Eagles, if anyone else yeah. are out there as sure. old as we are. <laughs> but I, I will say this in, in reference to uh, the beginning of what you said there. It's don't try and do it on your own. Focus on Jesus. That takes me straight to Matthew 6, where it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Yeah. yeah. It's not about us. It's not about our effort. Go ahead, RJ. I'm sorry. Yeah, so I think, uh, you know, uh, if you guys remember, you know, at the you know, last podcast, we said uh, the deepest need of every human is uh, forgiveness of sins, and uh, it is reflected in that, right? He's saying, even if the, someone doesn't love me, forgive me, right? And of course, you know, with the Lord Jesus Christ, we get both because of his love, he forgives us, but the deepest cry of every human being, whether they uh, whether they believe or not, whether they know or not, is the need for forgiveness of sins. And for that reason, you know, the gospel offers forgiveness of sins through the name of Lord Jesus Christ is offered or preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. You know, that is the gospel. You know, it's amazing, right? Somebody is extremely thirsty and the, someone gives you water. That's what it is. The whole world is thirsty for forgiveness, and the gospel just pours out forgiveness on us. It's so amazing. The whole world is thirsty for something that I think is very similar to forgiveness, and that's acceptance, which, you know, to know that God has forgiven you and accepts you right where you're at right now, not after you've cleaned your life to life up. He sees you. He knows everything you've ever done, every sin every mistake, every moral failure. He knows what you're doing now, and he knows what you're going to do in the future. 
and yet in Christ he accepts you and he offers you forgiveness. And as we've studied for this podcast, the thing that has just jumped out at me, and I think I knew in a subconscious way, but now it's come to the forefront, is just how central to the gospel forgiveness is. It's the heartbeat of it. It's not just forgiveness. There are more things, but it's the start, really, uh, that opens up the imputation of righteousness and the riches of our glorious inheritance in Christ, freedom and uh, the ability to be transformed, uh, to get off that gerbil wheel of works and religion. Uh, And so just how important that is. And if something is central to the gospel, it's central to the human condition, to our life, to our relationships with other people. And the one line he mentions there about uh, unless he gets rid of that anger and that unforgiveness, it's just going to eat you up. It's just going to poison you. It's going to poison your relationships. And just one more little reminder, you can't do it. You can only reflect it. You can only have that reflex action as you put your eyes on Christ. What she was doing right there at his feet, weeping, drying the tears off his feet, kissing his feet, you can tell that's a reflex action because she didn't. She wasn't even thinking about the Pharisee there watching her, all the crowd judging her, knowing she's a sinful woman. She was responding to the love of Christ, and it just, just re, that reflex action just exploded out of her, and that's that's what I pray that I would have too. Yeah. So I just want to quickly touch on one thing you said, Mark. You know, the whole world is also thirsty for uh, uh, acceptance. You know, the beauty of the gospel is it provides us both. Um, so. We all know we are sinners, right? We are with guilty conscience. And I believe, you know, most of the people who are in, I heard somewhere that most of the people who are in mental asylums are mainly because of guilt, you know, something they did and they didn't know how to get out of it. They can't forgive themselves and that eats them up. And then they are, most of the time, they land in these um, asylums, mental asylums. But, you know, the need of human being is guilt are the forgiveness of our, you know, removal of this guilt, right? And also acceptance. So gospel beautifully takes care of both. The first one is, his blood cleanses away all our sin, right? All our sins are forgiven. And then that takes care of what we did. But at the same time, again, we might wonder now, now what? What if I sin again? Then, you know, how will God accept me, right? You know, how can God accept me in this condition? So, God not only removes our sins, but He also changes our state, right? He gives us a gift of righteousness. So when we realize, you know, righteousness is what? Nothing but, you know, there's nothing wrong with us. We are perfect, right? God cannot impute, not only God will not, God cannot impute any sin. Or in other words, God cannot find any fault with us. If God cannot find any fault with me, then I'm accepted, right? I am only accepted if there is some fault in me. If you can find fault in me, then you cannot accept me. But if you cannot find fault in me, my default state is accepted. And another word for accepted is righteousness. You know, Lord Jesus Christ not only forgives our sins, he gives us a gift of righteousness and he clothes us with the robe of righteousness. When we understand this, that we are righteous, right? This whole need for acceptance or, you know, even this idea of, you know, oh, I need to be accepted that goes out of the window. Then you will never ever again seek acceptance from anybody because you know you're righteous. And God, if God cannot find fault with me, who cares if 
human being finds fault with me. Hey, if God accepts me, then who, yeah, who else needs to? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I think it's so key. The very last thing he said to that woman, he says to all of us, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Yeah. You believers out there that are still tormenting yourself with your failures, failures and your guilt and your condemnation, Jesus says to you, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. He's not going to bring that sin up against you. He's forgotten it. He's removed it. Amen. You know, that's just the key. Your faith has saved you. Yep. And you're meant to go in peace. Now, if you hang on to all that stuff, I don't even know what to say to that, how to, how to respond to that. It's you're like you're not trusting the cross to be enough. Christ did it all. Just rest in that, that your faith has saved you. Own it to your very core and make that the focus of your life and go in peace. I think I said this one last week, but if God is willing to forgive me and throw, you know, throw away my sins and remember them no more, etc., who am I to think I'm better to God to keep all of that and bear all that and constantly haul that all around with me? You know, that, that baggage is not necessary anymore. Let it go. Let it go, Elso. Let it go. Yeah. You know, Tim, that, that is such a good word. And unfortunately, there are too many voices out there, even in the church, trying to remind us of our sin, trying to show us what our sin is. And that's not their job. That's not what they're called to do. They're called to tell you exactly what Jesus said. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. You know, he who trusts in him will never be put to shame. I will remember their sins no more. I've removed them as far as the east is from the west. That's the job of people that are at the front of those stages in churches, not showing you what your sin is and trying to guilt you, challenge you, teach you, give you strategies on how you can overcome your sin. Now, just turn your eyes to Jesus and your life will become a reflex action. Beautiful, Mark. Appreciate that. And guys, we're starting to run the clock down, but I know that we've got at least one more thing we want to get out there before we finish. Ajay, go ahead. Yeah. So I just want to, you know, wrap this uh, uh, truth, right? You know, forgiveness is a key to forgiving others. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 and 32, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be ye kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So the reason we are able to forgive others is because, you know, God in Christ forgave us. Uh, I really want to, I quickly want to touch on one thing, right? I know, I don't think, you know, we can go into that deep, but, uh, you know, we have the teachings of Lord Jesus Christ in the Gospels. Unless you forgive others, your sins will not be forgiven. So most of the time, uh, many use that as a motivation to cause people to forgive others. Hey, if you don't forgive that person, God will not forgive you. That is a motivation to uh, get forgiveness out of their hearts, but that's never going to happen because what the Lord Jesus Christ is preaching is under the law, right? You know, if you really want your sins forgiven, if you want to get your sins forgiven based on what you do, you first have to forgive. Again, it's an impossibility. There's no way we can forgive others on our own. So basically, Lord is saying, you know, again, calling out the impossibility of us not able to get forgiveness by what we do. So that's important to understand that. But the way we forgive 
is in the new covenant is to receive the forgiveness first, the complete total forgiveness of our sins. Then we can be tender-hearted, loving, and kind to one another, and then we can let go of this bitterness, wrath, anger. There's no way, you know, we can do it on our own before God forgive our sins. You know, hearing hearing a preacher preach that we must forgive each other, it feels like when I was a parent of four, and when one would hurt another, we'd go through this rigmarole of telling the you know the child to hurt the other, ask you know, say you're sorry. Now you forgive them. You can't force somebody to forgive somebody. They'll go through they'll go through the motions for you because I know if they don't, they're not getting dessert or you know whatever other punishment we got laid out. But there's no real forgiveness going on there. Real, real true, honest, heartfelt forgiveness really doesn't yeah. come from me because there are some people out there I'm not sure I could forgive, but. Jesus working through me gives me that attitude that allows me to forgive, not because I could do it, but because he gave that to me. Yeah, I'm chuckling because I'm reminded, you know, when I tell my kids, one of the kids says, I tell them, he says, sorry. And then he says, sorry. And the other kid says, yeah, but he doesn't mean it. (laughs) (laughs) So they don't repent in sackcloth and ashes, weeping on each other's feet and drying them with their hair? Is that what you're saying? (laughs) Yeah. Even the kids know, right? You know, when we say, sorry, we don't mean it. So that true forgiveness from heart is not something we can force. No. Yeah. Well, like I started to say earlier, we are running out of time here quickly. And I do want to allow you guys to wrap up any final thoughts about the topic tonight. Who knows, maybe we'll do more of this in the future. So let's do alphabetical order tonight, Ajay. Yeah, so Romans 8.33 says, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. See, our forgiveness of sins is so awesome, so deep. It's not just like, you know, okay, you did something against me. Yeah, let's forget about it, right? But the sin is still there. You know, you still did this against me. Yeah, I remember I cannot forget, but I'll forgive kind of thing. It's not that. You know, the forgiveness that we have is, you know, let's say you committed a really, really uh, terrible crime, right? And then you go to the court. You are called to the court. And then you go to the court. And then the judge sitting there is asking you, hey, why are you here? There is no charge against you. Why are you even in the court? So not only that our sin is forgiven, but there is no charge against it, as you know, how awesome it is. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Justification means God cannot impute any sin to us. Our sin was put on our Lord Jesus Christ, and it was removed forever. And every time God sees us, right, he sees us as righteous. And I said a couple of times, you know, God does not, he not only does not impute sin to us, he cannot impute sin to us because of the cross. That is the glory of the gospel. Thank you, Ajay. Beautifully put, as always. And Mark, what you got for us? Oh, just uh, one more kind of encouragement to all of us as we look in our lives and maybe we someone comes to mind that we're just having trouble forgiving. Don't put your eyes on that person and try to forgive them. Put your eyes on Jesus. Just put him there and reflect on him until you are reflecting him to that person and it'll flow out of you, uh, just like uh, living water, streams of living water. Ah, beautiful. Yep. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Amen. 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 Well, everybody, that's going to do us for tonight. I hope you have been uplifted by this conversation. I know we have. 
but not nearly as much as we upliftment we give each other all week long as we discuss these topics between ourselves back and forth eh, over over our text and signal and all, whatever other apps we're using. Uh, it's really great for us. We're probably, uh, we could probably talk for another hour, but I'm not going to force everybody to endure that today. Like I said, we may revisit this topic again in the future. We thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed and we look forward to talking to you again the next time. Tim again. Thanks for listening today. We hope you were blessed by today's message. If so, we encourage you to subscribe and share our podcast with your friends and family. Our entire catalog of episodes can be found on our website at www.theunveiledgospel.com or you can listen and subscribe on most popular podcast apps. If you have any feedback or questions, you can send us an email to theunveiledgospel at yahoo.com. You can reach out to us on our Facebook page, The Unveiling Podcast, or you can leave a question or comment on our listener line at 352-398-0089. Maybe you'll hear yourself on a future episode. That's it for today. As always, God bless, and we will talk to you the next time.